You're listening to In The Know, a collection of career development insights and leadership experiences from INSEAD, the business school for the world. Happy New Year to all our listeners. And with the arrival of a new year, we thought we'd look to the future to help guide our career discussion. Our guest today, Jose Luis Cordero, once said that we should forget flying cars and robot butlers. The future will be a far more interesting place. People would be working less and we would be in a very advanced society. I believe this is true. And in 10 years, we will actually be working much less than today and live in a world of abundance as opposed to a world of scarcity today. And this is thanks to exponential technologies. Therefore, we are going to keep on moving up the ladder of human development. Jose has worked in many different areas, including economic development, international relations, and life extension. Jose is an international fellow of the World Academy of Art and Science, the vice chair of Humanity Plus, and a director of the Millennium Project and he graduated from the INSEAD MBA program in 1991. So let's get in the know with Jose Luis Cadero. Let's start off with um, just who you are, uh, where you come from, and I guess how you sort of got to where you are today. Uh, Well, I am a proud INSEAD graduate. And I am um, originally from Venezuela, even though my parents left Spain when Spain was a dictatorship and poor and moved to Venezuela when Venezuela was rich and a democracy. And now, sadly, it is uh, the opposite. Now, Venezuela is poor and a dictatorship and Spain is relatively wealthy and relatively a working democracy. So I am now living in Madrid. I studied engineering at MIT, at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And after working as an engineer for many years, I needed some uh, management training. And I decided to go to the best business school in the world that at the time was INSEAD. And I am happy to say that even today, it is the best business school of the world. How did you sort of go from the engineering to management to, you know, talking about some of these futuristic topics and, you know, what or where we will end up in the world in the future? Well, I think people have to reinvent themselves continuously. And even though as I began as an engineer working for a French multinational, Slumberger, I decided that I needed to get some management training also to move up the ladder sure. of the company. And so I went to to INSEAD in beautiful Fontainebleau because also I spoke uh, Spanish, French, uh, English, some German, some Portuguese. So it was the perfect place for an internationally minded person. And so uh, I, I, after working as an engineer and getting my MBA, I began working as a consultant with one of the top consulting companies at the time, Booz, Allen and Hamilton. And after that, also, I reinvented myself and I went into academics. And I am one of the founding faculty of Singularity University in Silicon Valley, California. And then later, I reinvented myself 
as a major author and international speaker on uh, issues about the future. So this is my uh, main activity now to tell people about the incredible and wonderful things we are going to see in the next few years, thanks to advances in technology. It's a fantastic topic, and I think that's one of the reasons we were really keen on on sort of getting a, a discussion with you because it, it invites so much, um, just so much curiosity. I guess the the topic of future. You know, uh, we all seen movies that predict or, or try and predict how we will live in the future, and it's always a question that businesses and and professionals were always trying to understand what will happen in the the near or even the distant future, and how should I adapt to to sort of react and be in the right place at the right time, if you like. So I really, really look forward to this conversation. And I guess before we get on, sort of focus a little bit more on, on who you are and, and how you got to where you are. So you've had, you know, a distinguished career, as you said, a, an international career, a very difficult question, I imagine. But are there some key highlights that you sort of hold dear that you really are happy and pleased with in your career that you'd like to share with us? Uh, well, yes. I am very proud to have worked as an engineer in the petroleum industry and to have discovered some major uh, oil uh, places around the planet. I was in over 30 countries working with Slumberger, uh, mm -hmm. and this was, uh, to me, professionally a big achievement. The things that I learned at university were really applied in science mm. and uh, exploration for uh, new energy resources. And then as a consultant with Booth, Allen & Hamilton, I am very proud that I work on some of the major privatizations in Latin America. I worked in the privatizations in Mexico, in Peru, in Venezuela and other countries. So I am happy that my INSEAD education prepared me for this management approach um, to privatizations and to finance. And lately, I am very proud that my latest book uh, is already in five languages, a bestseller in many countries, and it is coming in five more languages next year. So to me, uh, as a new career, in a way, for me, I'm very, very proud and very excited because it also shows that the world is getting global. Hmm. Globalization is real. It is happening and it is for the betterment of humanity. Yeah, for sure. Let's focus and, and, and move to the future. I, I guess much of your work, as you said, and much of your modern work has been focusing on the future and what it holds for us as, as a society and us as an individual. What is your vision of the future and how will we work within it? Can you, you sort of describe what that might look like and, and what the future may hold for all of us? I love uh, science fiction and science fiction tells, that, uh, tells us about possibilities about the future. Sometimes this topic futures, uh, but I am more optimistic uh, about the future. I think the future is going to keep uh, getting better and better. In fact, we live in the best times in human history. And uh, just to give a quick number, at the time of the Roman Empire, human life expectancy was only 20 years on average. Life expectancy for everybody about 2,000 years ago, 20 years. Today, we are getting to 80 years. And I believe that in the next 20 to 30 years, it will uh, be 
150, 200, it will be basically limitless. And this means that we will only uh, keep on getting into a better world with more possibilities, longer, healthier, better lives in the future. Uh, People have been talking about the future, not only in science fiction, but uh, one of the most famous economists in history, John Maynard Keynes, he wrote in 1930 about the future, about the next 100 years. And he wrote a book about 2030. And he said that people would be working less and we would be in a very advanced society. I believe this is true. And in 10 years, we will actually be working much less than today and live in a world of abundance as opposed to a world of scarcity today. And this is thanks to exponential technologies. Therefore, we are going to keep on moving up the ladder of human development, as Abraham Maslow described in his pyramid of um, human necessities. Uh, We begin with survival at the bottom, and we keep on moving up into self-realization, improving the human condition. And this is part of evolution, and this is what the future will give to humanity. Sure, it's it's a really interesting point you make about you know working less and you know taking stock of of what's important and and the directions we're going. I, I think the last couple of years, uh, as difficult as it is, has been for everybody. Uh, it's a common theme I found a, across uh, the many many people I, I get to talk to is that people have been able to to think and and reflect, if you like, on what's important and what makes them happy and, and what they're passionate about. And, and that's one of the things people seem to have done is is sort of take stock and and, and maybe take a bit of a, a, a back seat and, and be able to pull back and, and work less at times because that is also important to living a happy and prosperous life. As part of a new initiative, we are giving our loyal listeners the opportunity to access some bonus content as we ask INSEAD alumni and staff to share some insider tips. If you want to access these tips, head to inse.ad forward slash ITK26. I, I managed to capture uh, or, or watch a video of yourself. It was uh, back in 2014. You had a, a talk with, it's called Talk with Google at the time, which we'll put in the, the show notes for people to watch if they're interested. Uh, you said that forget flying cars and robot butlers. Um, the future will be far more interesting place. And I thought that was a really nice statement and and one that would obviously create discussion. Um Many people think that they can't even imagine a world where cars will be flying and and what does that even look like and how will that affect us? Um, How can we prepare our lives for what the future may or may not give us and and our careers and and how we interact with that future when it's very hard to envisage such a place? When I lived uh, in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, I was at Singularity University that was at NASA Ames Research Park uh, in Mountain View, California. Sure. And it was funded uh, mostly by Google and other companies. So we talked about all the fantastic new technologies of the future. And those included, indeed, 
flying cars and robot butlers. But many, many other things are coming in the future that will be even more interesting. I normally like to say that uh, uh, this word VUCA, which means volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, Mm -hmm. is going to evolve into a new positive VUCA, which is vision, understanding, clarity, and agility. Mm -hmm. That means we move from a bad VUCA into a good VUCA that lets us think about the future. And we have to be flexible about that. We need to be open-minded because the future has so many incredible possibilities that we truly need to be open-minded. I like to talk about three major technologies about the future. Uh, Some related to the hardware, some related to the software, Mm -hmm. and some related to space technologies and space travel. And we are going to to see incredible things in the next 10 years in these three main areas. Just quickly, in terms of the hardware, uh, we are going to be modifying um, our human bodies. Uh, Through biotechnology and nanotechnology, we will be curing many diseases and we will improve our physical bodies with bio and nanotechnology. Then we have the software side of um, our minds. We will be able to connect our brains to the cloud, to internet, and that will give us, for example, telepathy. We will be able to communicate brain to brain. brain to computer, brain to internet. And this is incredible. And this will be enhanced also with um, artificial intelligence and unlimited memory in virtual worlds and augmented reality. These are incredible things happening. And and this is real. Uh, We can watch it, obviously, in science fiction, like the best-selling movie, Ready Player One by Steven Spielberg. Uh, He talks about the year 2045, when we have um, virtual reality, augmented reality, which are um, more interesting than real reality. Mm. But anyway, so this is part of the software capabilities. And the next one we are going to see in the next 10 years is the colonization of space for the first time for real. Mm. Uh, We will have a moon base and probably a Mars base. And when we land on Mars in the next few years, we are going to look back to our little tiny planet called Earth. And we will think in a different way because we will see how small our planet is and there are no borders. Uh, There is no difference between Germany and France and Spain. Um, All of this is in our minds, all these creations of distinctions of humanity. There is only one humanity and now we are beginning to colonize the rest of uh, our solar system. And this is truly, truly exciting. No, it's it sparks a lot of interesting thoughts about, as you said, the possibilities and where we'll end up. I guess the question I have is how we connect our brain to, to the cloud and, um, you know, those sort of telepathic capabilities. These are some of the things that, you know, I'm not aware of. How do we discover um, about these sort of technologies and, and, and capabilities that we may have in the future? Is there a common place to, to find out about all of this technology so we can, can we maintain at the forefront of, of the, the, where society is going, I guess? 
Uh, yes. Well, I am an engineer, first of all, so I am a little bit biased sure. about technology. But I, I do think that um, science and technology is what really changes the world. Sure. Obviously, uh, economics, politics, uh, philosophy, the environment, all of these things are important. But um, above all of them, I think that really what transforms society are the advances in science and technology. Mm -hmm. And these are be becoming exponential. Technology changes exponentially, even if we still think linearly. Mm -hmm. So we need to get prepared for a world of exponential change. And this is what we did at Singularity University. So just looking at uh, websites related to the singularity or to the philosophy of the singularity, which is normally called transhumanism. Mm -hmm. Transhumanism is a philosophy based on the uh, humanism of the 18th, 19th century, uh, where we add science and technology. So again, transhumanism is the typical or the former humanism with science and technology to transcend human limitations. Right. And technology will allow us to transcend our physical, biological limitations mm -hmm. and to become enhanced humans mm -hmm. uh, with bigger memory, better connections, a, a longer life expectancies, and the capa capability to travel and to live in other planets, for example. Mm. Yeah, for sure. No, very nice. And, and we'll add some of those resources within the show notes so people can can look and, and research in their own time. Um, what are some of the changes you have uh, observed, I guess, that have taken place in the past couple of years, uh, a very busy and hectic uh, last couple of years, of course, um, that might be signalling a new future for, for the workplace and the world we work within as professionals? Well, again, uh, we have seen that technology keeps advancing exponentially. And the pandemic actually made some technologies advance even more exponentially. I'll give you a few examples. Now we have tele-everything. Yes. Tele-education, tele-health, tele-work, tele-everything, really. And this has been accelerated. People still thought, oh, it might take five to ten years before we really have uh, telemedicine, telehealth. And now we are having most of this, uh, which is happening very fast. Uh, another incredible advancement has been uh, in medicine itself and the development of vaccines. Mm. Before the pandemic, you know, vaccines would take... Uh, maybe 10 years to develop and cost billions and billions of dollars and many years of a human clinical trials. This pandemic has shown that in less than one year, we can have incredible vaccines, which are very powerful, uh, you know, like the uh, messenger RNA vaccines of Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech that were developed incredibly fast, mm. so fast that they were actually developed in only a couple of days. Mm. What, what took longer was the human clinical trials, mm. because you have to prove these vaccines in people, and that takes time to see if there are side effects. But um, anyway, the development of vaccines has been incredible. And we are vaccinating the whole planet in uh, over a year after the vaccines were approved officially 
by the end of uh, last year. So this is absolutely incredible. It shows how the world is moving exponentially faster. And this is changing uh, work uh, conditions. As I said, tele-everything and then... uh, incredible advances in how we communicate while talking about that. Zoom, Zoom, for example, um, at the peak of the pandemic was worth more than all the airline companies together. The market cap of uh, Zoom was bigger than uh, American Airlines, British Airways, and all the airlines combined. This is incredible. And another development also was electric cars. And actually now Tesla, Tesla right now is also worth more than all the other car companies combined. You add up Volkswagen, Renault, Peugeot, uh, Chrysler, General Motors, Ford, and they do not match the market capitalization of Tesla. Mm. Yeah. And many years ago, uh, and people were doubting if it would even succeed. And, and now look at it, you're, you're right. In a couple of years, they've come from strength to strength. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, as you said, a very fast-paced and a, a very uh, frightfully fast-paced world. So um, talking of, you know, the fast pace and the technologies that being made available to all of us, well, what skills do leaders and workers need to succeed in this new world that we live in today and I guess the future world? Is there any way we can prepare their their mindsets and their, their behaviours um, to, to adapt to these new skill sets needed? Well, sure. Um, as some Greek philosophers said uh, over 2,000 years ago, the only constant is change. Mm. So we need to be prepared for constant change, constant change, and actually exponential change. Change is accelerating. Uh, Again, all this means we have to be flexible. And I repeat, we are moving from this old VUCA into the new VUCA. The old VUCA used to be volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Mm. And we need to find the new VUCA with vision, understanding, clarity, and agility. Mm. So we need to be flexible. We need to learn, to unlearn, and then to relearn. Uh, And this happens in all areas. Actually, as I mentioned, I am an engineer uh, from MIT. I graduated almost 40 years ago from MIT. The things I learned 40 years ago at MIT, many of them do not apply now because we have uh, much better and newer scientific and technological knowledge Mm. and incredible advances. Mm. Uh, So that has changed. Also, I graduated 30 years ago from INSEAD. Mm. Even the things I learned at INSEAD, again, a leading school, business school of the world, many things have changed, have improved. Um, For example, there were very few courses about entrepreneurship, very few courses. And INSEAD was one of the first in the world uh, teaching uh, entrepreneurship and startups. Well, now this is a major trend throughout the planet. Mm -hmm. And we have startup companies everywhere. Mm -hmm. And every business school and even normal universities are for the first time teaching entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is also important because entrepreneurs, 
and startup companies, they have to be flexible mm. because their plans are changing all the time. And also, I remember how important business plans were in the past, but the business plan of today changes now every day. Mm. Uh, so we need to to pivot and pivot on the business plan, and it keeps on changing. So this is one of the new realities, and that is why we need vision, understanding, clarity and agility, the new VUCA of the future. Fantastic. I want to sort of talk about one of the events you've just uh, recently sort of found or you've been part of. I mean, you were the founder of what's called Transvision Future Summit. Uh, that was in uh, October in Madrid. It covered so many topics and, I mean, the, the guest speakers were amazing uh, looking through all the talent and, and people of so many top companies and organizations and uh, thought leaders that you had. Can you tell us some of the, you know, key topics that were discussed at, at this summit and, and what insights our listeners can take away from, you know, the concepts that were discussed during the summit? Uh, yes, uh, the Transvision Future Summit that I organized in Madrid at the College of Physicians was about the technologies of the future. Uh, Transvision uh, basically comes from vision transhumanism. Sure. So it has to do with a transhumanism, which is, again, this philosophy based on humanism with science and technology to improve the human condition. Uh, these were things I did in Silicon Valley when I was at Singularity University and other places uh, in the USA before I came to Spain about five years ago. And so I decided to have this type of events here in Spain uh, and also for the European audience. Um, now that I am also closer back to INSEAD in France. Um, so uh, my objective is to popularize all these technologies that are changing exponentially and that people don't realize, people don't understand because we think linearly as I so, uh, said before, but the world is changing exponentially. So we need to know about these new technologies. We need to be exposed about them. And basically because uh, we were doing this at the College of Physicians, we focused on the new health technologies, rejuvenation technologies that might be able to give us physical immortality, um, because if we are able to rejuvenate people, we will be able to live uh, long enough to live forever or indefinitely for as long as we want in a, a youthful condition, because this is important. We want youthful immortality. We don't want to be indefinitely old. We want to be indefinitely young. So about half of the conference was about a uh, these technologies related to health and to longevity in the College of Physicians. The other uh, part of the event was focused on uh, the software side, as I was talking about, um, related to artificial intelligence, mind uploading, telepathy, and uh, also the relationship between humans and robots uh, and cyborgs. And finally, we talked about um, space travel. Uh, this is very important, as I mentioned. This will change how we uh, think about our own planet. Once we have humans living on Mars, 
this will change the reality of our planet. And we will understand that borders are creations of our mind and that we have really big problems and we have to solve them also thinking globally. Uh, these are not local problems like climate change. These are global issues and we need to solve them globally. So space travel is important also uh, to, to improve uh, humanity here on our home-based planet Earth. Fantastic. Yeah, there's so many great insights within that, that, uh, you know, thought processes, you know, global issues rather than local issues, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, no, fantastic. That's, uh, again, we'll put some of the notes in, in, uh, in or the, the links in the, the notes so people can, can look these informations up. Uh, when yes, and, and, and people can go back to transvisionmadrid.com mm-hmm. and watch uh, the presentations oh, leading uh, uh, leading um, minds and uh, not only minds, hands working on these issues around the planet, mm. uh, which is so important for the future and to think globally and to think exponentially. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Great. Is there any sort of tips you have for how our listeners can prepare for unpredictable change? As you said, change is constant. Unpredictable change is obviously part of that. Um, how how can we prepare for unpredictable change and learn to lead in, in tomorrow's world or the future and understand the future direction of technology? We need to be open-minded. We truly need to um, believe that the impossible is possible. In fact, I like to say everything is impossible until it becomes possible. Sure. So really open-minded attitude, flexibility, the capability to learn, unlearn, and then relearn again is fundamental. Also, we need to consider what we call as the known knowns, the things that we know, Mm -hmm. but also the unknown unknowns, Mm -hmm. the things that we don't know that we don't even know. Mm -hmm. And there are many of those unknown unknowns. And for that, I repeat, we need um, flexibility. We need open minds because this is going to be happening more and more. Fortunately, most of these changes will be positive. That is, again, why we have to be Mm open-minded. We cannot be close-minded about changes that will improve humanity. What have you changed your mind about in the last few years and, and why did you change your mind? Well, the issue of uh, immortality uh, to me was impossible um, until uh, relatively recently. I could tell you even 10 years ago, I thought um, this was not really, really possible um, because also rejuvenation technologies um, to me sounded like science fiction, even though many authors have written about that in science fiction, as I mentioned, but I didn't think it was possible. Also, because I was younger, I didn't really uh, worry that much about aging. However, in the last few years, um, for example, sadly, my father died. And when someone you love dies, you begin to 
reconsider many things, including your own life and the, the life of your friends. Um, simultaneously, on the positive side, there have been fantastic, absolutely incredible advancements in biotechnology. And we know today, for the first time in human history, that we can control aging. We can accelerate aging, we can slow down, down aging, and even better, we can reverse aging. And um, this is relatively very new. Um, the Nobel Prize in Medicine for the year 2012 was about exactly that, about cells reprogramming, because we can reprogram the cells to be younger or to be older. Wow. And we know today that there are certain genes in the cells that control the aging process. Once again, this sounded to me and to most people in the planet impossible, even more than science fiction only 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I repeat, the Nobel Prize in Medicine of 2012 was given to Shinya Yamanaka that I actually visited in uh, Kyoto. He's a professor at the University of Kyoto uh, because he got the Nobel Prize very quickly, only uh, a few years after, after he discovered that it is possible to rejuvenate cells, uh, he got the Nobel Prize. Wow. This is advancing so fast that uh, in December 2020, another um, a friend, a scientist uh, at, at Harvard, even though he did his uh, PhD at MIT at my alma mater, uh, David Sinclair, originally from Australia, mm -hmm. he applied this technique of self-reprogramming to give the sight back to blind mice. Oh, wow. And this is incredible, mm -hmm. incredible. So he, he did experiments with blind mice, and thanks to this self-reprogramming, he gave them vision back again. Wow. Uh, and this is just incredible. So these experiments about not only cell rejuvenation, but now organ rejuvenation are beginning in animals. Mm. Soon we will be moving from cell to organ to whole organism rejuvenation with model organisms mm. like mice and uh, worms and mosquitoes etc., etc., maybe monkeys, which are very close to humans. And soon enough, we will be doing this on human clinical trials mm. because I repeat, this that was impossible in the past is possible today. And as I mentioned, everything is impossible until it becomes possible. And today we know that rejuvenation is real. And um, so I changed my mind, and this is incredible. Now, for example, I don't plan to die. Not only don't I plan to die, uh, by 2045, which is the year most of us uh, use for rejuvenation of uh, people, I plan to be younger in 2045 than I, than I am today. And I believe that people in 2045 will look back at the days today when we were so primitive today that we let people die mm. because this is a human tragedy. We let people die today when in the future we will be able to leave people uh, live as long as they want, indefinitely young for as long as they want. And this to me is the biggest revolution in human history. There is nothing, nothing that compares to physical immortality. Mm. 
it's such a, a mind-blowing concept, I guess. And and as you said, there's there's so much uh, research and study around it. It's it's a fascinating field to look into. Um, one I'm sure many people will be interested to to discover more. Um, next question: what What is the worst advice you see or hear being dispensed in your world? Well, I am terrified how people are saying that the world is getting worse, that there is um, a climate um, um, explosion uh, in the worst possible way, that this is the end of humanity, and how young people are being brainwashed by these negative thoughts, when I believe it is just the opposite. We live in the best world in ever in human history ever as i mentioned we live 80 years on average uh in the time of the roman empire it was only 20 years and as i have mentioned we might become almost immortal in two to three decades and what does this mean not only are we living longer lives healthier lives better lives, wealthier lives. We are wealthier today than ever, ever in human history. There is less poverty today than ever, ever in human history. There is more um, environmental concern and improvement than ever in human history. Only two centuries ago, Charles Dickens was talking about the horrible environmental conditions of London, that it was the end because of all the environmental uh, problems and um, pollution. Even uh, Malthus, Malthus said that it was the end of humanity over two centuries ago because there were too many people and not enough resources. Fortunately, the human condition improved. Why? Because of technology. The technology we have today allowed us to improve the environment, to improve life expectancy, even to improve happiness. And this is also important because not only do we want to live uh, longer, but we want to be happier. And this is becoming a reality. In fact, this has become a priority even of the United Nations that for the first time in 2012, almost a decade ago, they launched uh, the World Happiness Report. And to understand what makes us happy and how we can become happier in the future. And this is also related, as I mentioned, to uh, Abraham Maslow pyramids, a pyramid of uh, physiological uh, necessities and human achievement. And we are truly getting better. We are moving from survival needs into self-realization dreams. So we are becoming happier as well. And again, imagine when you lived only 20 years in the time of the Roman Empire, on average, you were certainly not that happy. And even when you were 20, you were probably missing teeth. We had a a broken finger, uh, and you had many diseases that we don't have today. So people need to understand that uh, this fear about the world getting worse is not real. We are living in a much better world today, and that is why I think uh, even Greta, uh, the famous Greta from Sweden, she is 
horrifying young people when we live in the best world today that ever has been uh, since history began. So I want people to be excited about the future, not to be afraid about the future. Yeah, that's really sound advice. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think it's really easy for us as consumers of content to to read all these headlines and all the you know problems that we see around the world and and fear for what is in store for humanity. And I recently read a book called Factfulness, which is a really good uh, review of you know where we've come from and the progress we've made over that time. So, yeah, that book was uh, sort of the the brainchild of Hans Rosling. Um, and, yeah, he said very similar things to what you were just mentioning, that, uh, you know, we've we've made incredible cr- progress uh, as humans uh, and as society, and, and it's, it's easy to forget, you know, what it used to be like and what we're living in now. Obviously, plenty of progress to be made, but, yeah, fantastic advice. Thank you for sharing. Um, we might just do one more of the quickfire questions, um, mindful of time. What resources can listeners use to discover more about the future of work? Well, in the Millennium Project that I lead for um, Ibero-America, which is the Iberian Peninsula, Spain and Portugal plus Latin America, we just published uh, a study about work and technology in the future in the year 2050, and three scenarios, one good, one bad, and one middle of the road. And we consider all the possibilities about the future thanks to technology related to work. So I highly recommend that everybody reads that study because, again, it's not only a single vision, but there are three scenarios. And you can consider possibilities in between from the best to the worst. So the Millennium Project and um, the 2050 work and technology scenarios, I think is fundamental. Also, I have just published my international best-selling book, The Death of Death, about um, the incredible possibilities about the future uh, of life and work thanks to exponential advances in technology, particularly applied to health and longevity. So I recommend to read my best-selling book. I am very happy to have been to INSEAD and actually in the acknowledgements, I give thanks to INSEAD and to some of my colleagues at INSEAD who also are realizing like me that the future is full of possibilities, is bright, and that the human condition will continue improving, getting better, also in terms of work. Fantastic. Yeah, great amount of resources there. We'll, we'll again put them in the, in the show notes so people can review them in their own time after listening. Uh, that brings us to the end of, of the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Jose. I really appreciate it. As I said, I know you're a very busy man and uh, really appreciate you sharing your insights. Um, all I can do now is uh, wish you the very best for your future career and uh, thank you again. Well, the same. Thanks to you and to all of our friends in INSEAD, coming to INSEAD, or even those who don't come to INSEAD. The future is bright. I want to finish with that optimistic uh, message. And we live between the last mortal generation and the first immortal generation. So where do you want to be? Thank you for listening to this episode of In The Know. 
If you want to find out any additional information on the career and leadership topics discussed today, head to inthenow.insead.edu forward slash podcast. If you want to know more about any of INSEAD's master programs, head to insead.edu.